0: Saddam Hussein produced and possessed chemical and biological weapons. Well, there is no question that we have evidence and information that Iraq has weapons of mass destruction, biological and chemical particularly. Simply stating, there is no doubt that Saddam Hussein now has weapons of mass
1: destruction. Greetings, this is podcast number 30 of Blast the Right. I'm Jack Clark from therationalradical.com www.therationalradical.com We have four segments for you today. First, the new numbers are in on right-wing war profiteering, and they're not pretty. Next, we'll hear an entry from a listener in my What's the One Worst Thing George Bush Has Done contest. After that, We'll expose another big lie by Bill O'Reilly. And then we'll end with, well, it's something I've never done before in Blast the Right. You'll have to listen to find out what it is. Well, let's get right into the first segment. A chart recently appeared in the New York Times. It gave year 2005 profit figures for the leading military contractors. As a percentage of change from 2004 to 2005, we have General Dynamics up 19%, Northrop Grumman up 29%, Boeing up 37%, Lockheed Martin up 44%, Then Raytheon leaps up to 108% increased profit. And the grand prize winner, guess who? Halliburton, 292%. And Halliburton's number is on government work only. Now remember, if you double your profit, that's a 100% increase. So... 200% would be a tripling and 292% would be a shade under quadrupling your profit, having a profit four times what it was the year before. Halliburton in 2005 made four times the profit on government contracts that it did the year before. In text accompanying this chart, Reporter Hubert Herring wrote, quote, Suppose an investor were endowed with that golden instinct for spotting bargains and bought 100 shares of each of the top six military contractors at their lows of the last six years. Lows reached by four of them in March 2000, before the election, before September 11th, And before any hint of war, that basket of shares would have cost $12,731. On Friday, it would have been worth three and a half times that, $44,417. Little wonder, just look at the money machines these contractors have become as the war drags on. Close quote. From $12,731 to $44,417 is an increase of three and a half times. You would have triple and a half your money by investing in the Bushian war machine. Is this proper? Is this just? How would all of this sit? with one of our greatest presidents, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. The clear answer is, not very well. In a 1939 radio address, the very first one he made after World War II broke out in Europe, President Roosevelt said,
0: I cannot prophesy the immediate economic effect of this new war on our nation. But I do say that no American has the moral right to profiteer at the expense either of his fellow citizens or of the men, the women, and the children who are living and dying in the midst of war in Europe.
1: Listen to these clarion ethical words, clear as a bell. No American has the moral right to profiteer at the expense either of his fellow citizens or of the men, women, and children who are living and dying in the midst of war in Europe. Can you imagine George W. Bush or any of these right-wing neocons saying anything like that? That, quote, no American has the moral right to profiteer At the expense either of his fellow citizens or of the men, women, and children who are living and dying in the midst of war in Iraq? On another occasion, Roosevelt said, I don't want to see a single war millionaire created in the United States as a result of this world disaster. Not a single war millionaire. And towards that end, in 1940, Roosevelt sought passage of a steeply graduated excess profits tax to ensure, quote, that a few do not gain from the sacrifices of the many, close quote. Again, the present-day right-wing credo seems to be the exact opposite. Let us ensure that all of our cronies increase their millions as a result of the Iraq War and the War on Terror. Dig into the money pile, guys. FDR isn't the only American leader who's spoken out against war profiteering. Back during one of those time periods when there were decent Republicans, the turn-of-the-century World War I era, Senator Robert La Follette, a founder of the progressive movement, called war profiteers, quote, enemies of democracy in the homeland, close quote. Returning to the years of World War II, listen to what then-Senator Harry S. Truman did. This is from an article in The Nation magazine, quote, During World War II, Harry Truman referred to some forms of war profiteering as treason. When he heard rumors of such profiteering, Truman got into his dodge and, during a congressional recess, drove 30,000 miles paying unannounced visits to corporate offices and work sites. The Senate committee he chaired launched aggressive investigations into shady wartime business practices and found, quote, "...waste, inefficiency, mismanagement, and profiteering," close quote, according to Truman, who argued that such behavior was unpatriotic. Urged on by Truman and others in Congress, President Roosevelt supported broad increases in the corporate income tax, raised the excess profits tax to 90%, and charged the Office of War Mobilization with the task of eliminating illegal profits. Truman, who became a national hero for his fight against the profiteers, was tapped to be FDR's running mate in 1944. End of article excerpt. Can you imagine any right-wing congressperson or any right-winger at all getting into their Dodge fat chance they drive a Dodge and personally investigating war profiteering driving 30 miles to do so, let alone 30,000 then holding hearings and pushing hard for an excess profits tax stop shaking your head or more likely laughing Now, in connection with the Iraq War, some Democrats have tried to do the right thing, have tried to prevent war profiteering. Back in February 2003, even before the Iraq War started, former Senator George McGovern called on Congress to impose an excess profits tax. He saw the handwriting on the wall, in his typically blunt fashion, McGovern said, quote, I don't think people ought to be making money out of young American blood in Iraq. Close quote. About eight months after the war started, in November of 2003, Senator Patrick Leahy of Vermont introduced Senate Bill 108, Its official title read in part, A Bill to Prohibit Profiteering and Fraud Relating to Military Action, Relief and Reconstruction Efforts in Iraq. Leahy actually had 21 Democrats as co-sponsors. Some you'd expect, like Corzine, Feingold, Kennedy and Durbin. Others are a bit of a surprise. There's Hillary Rodham Clinton... Maybe she hadn't yet started her rightward drift and pro-Iraq war triangulating. And there's Joe Lieberman. betcha he wouldn't sponsor something like that now, since he's become Bush's poodle on Iraq. This seems like it was a really good bill. According to Leahy's statement upon introducing S-108, the bill would create, quote, criminal penalties for war profiteers and cheats who would exploit the relief and reconstruction efforts in Iraq to make an extra buck, close quote. The statement goes on that the bill would, quote, and I somewhat rearrange the order of these paragraphs here, criminalize war profiteering, overcharging taxpayers for any good or service, With the specific intent to excessively profit from the war or reconstruction efforts in Iraq. The bill also prohibits fraud and false statements in any matter involving a contract or the provision of goods or services in Iraq. These new crimes would be felonies, subject to criminal penalties of up to 20 years in prison and fines of up to $1 million or twice the illegal gross profits of the crime. There are, of course, fraud statutes to protect against waste of tax dollars at home, but none expressly prohibit war profiteering and none expressly confer extraterritorial jurisdiction overseas. Historical efforts to stem such profiteering have been successful, Congress implemented excessive profits taxes and contract renegotiation laws after both world wars and again after the Korean War. Close quote. Oh yes, and one other thing. Quote, there is urgency to this important measure because criminal statutes cannot be applied retroactively. Close quote. Ah yes, the Bushian war profiteers are home free. They can't be criminally prosecuted by any future excess profits legislation that a democratically controlled congress would pass. Home free the Bushian greedmeisters are. Of course, Leahy's bill got nowhere in the Republican controlled congress. Regular listeners to Blast the Right know I often play this Rush Limbaugh audio clip.
0: Roosevelt is dead. His policies may live on, but we're in the process of doing something about that as well.
1: Here Limbaugh was referring to the social safety net, the programs that Roosevelt introduced and those that later followed, which protect the most vulnerable Americans. Social Security, Medicare, Medicare, minimum wage laws, child labor laws, and a host of others. Now, whenever we play this clip, we'll know that there's another of Roosevelt's policies that the right wing is in the process of doing something about. Preventing war profiteering. Isn't it interesting how all decent and moral policies that came from Roosevelt Are being trashed by the right wing. Not just the social safety net, but anti war profiteering measures. Right wingers are in seventh heaven. Not only do they get to massively increase human misery, suffering, and death by waging war. listen to podcast number two for why increasing human misery, suffering, and death is so enjoyable to right-wingers. Not only do they get to massively increase human misery, suffering, and death by waging war, but while they're causing massively increased human misery, suffering, and death, the right-wing can enrich itself even more doing so. Getting paid handsomely to torture and commit mass murder right wingers truly are in heaven and that means the rest of us are truly in hell i want all of you to get up out
0: of your chairs i want you to get up right now and go to the window open it and stick your head out and yell i am as mad as hell and i'm not going to take this anymore
1: Last podcast, I announced a contest. I asked you to write in, or better yet, to call in and tell me what one action of George W. Bush will ultimately bring about the most human suffering and death. Call in and make your best case for what one action of George W. Bush will ultimately bring about the most human suffering and death. Let me play you now the first entry I received. It's pretty good.
0: Hey, Jack. My name is Chris. I'm calling from New York City. I've heard about your contest. I think it's a very difficult question to choose between uh, all the various things that Bush has done. So I would say, um, you know you could go through the illegal invasion and occupation of Iraq, which has killed uh, over a hundred thousand people, uh, or you could go to Bush's social security and his uh, uh, attempt at, uh, at destroying Social Security and his attempt at um, destroying uh, our national health care or any health care system now with his new health care proposal. Or, uh, so I would just say maybe getting elected would be the one action that Bush did that has caused the most suffering and death. But that really wouldn't be enough because uh, be, being elected president isn't really enough because then you're discounting all of the people that he put to death in texas so uh i just think being born the answer to the question um what single action did george bush do that caused the most human suffering and death being born
1: chris thinks a lot like me doesn't he A while ago, O'Reilly told a big whopper on his program. I haven't had a chance until now to get into it, but it's such a great illustration of his shameless lying, I wanted to present it to you. This took place around the time of the War on Christmas phony controversy that O'Reilly and other right-wingers dreamed up. Here he's talking to the Archbishop of New Mexico, Michael Sheehan. O'Reilly's big lie is about his own ratings. Take a listen. Well, I think that, Bill, that there are more ways to uh, defend the the religious values of Christmas than being on your program. Well, you're reaching Uh, 20 million people
0: here. I mean, you know, you can talk in, in St. Patrick's all day long. You're reaching about 20 million radio,
1: TV, international. That's a lot of people to reach. 20 million, huh, Bill? Hmm, I wonder how that adds up. According to Newsmax.com, you average about a shade under 2.5 million viewers a night on the television factor show. Now, what O'Reilly does is he claims 5 million or so. He adds in the repeat showings of his program, one three hours after the original broadcast, the other early the next morning. No one does this when discussing their ratings. If they did, if they added up all the times a given episode was rebroadcast, shows like I Love Lucy with all their reruns would be the top-rated TV programs in the current Nielsen's. But for the sake of argument, let's go along with Bill's bogus stat there. Give him $5 for TV. What about O'Reilly's radio show? Talkers Magazine says that the Fall 05 Arbitron gives O'Reilly three and a quarter million cumulative listeners per week. Assuming a five-day week, that works out to about 600,000 per day. Let's be super generous. O'Reilly doesn't even mention his website, but let's give him, say, 100,000 per day for that. I think that's too much, but give him a hundred thousand. So we have five million plus six hundred thousand plus one hundred thousand is five point seven million. Where on earth does Bill get twenty million? He mentioned quote international close quote. What does O'Reilly have some secret Chinese audience of multitudes of listeners and viewers that we don't know about? Or is this just another ridiculous O'Reilly lie, this time about himself?
0: Too many OBGYNs aren't able to practice their their love with women all across this country. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. Uh, You cannot
1: lead if you send mixed mixed messages. I'd like to close on a lighter note. So I'm going to tell you a joke. I've never done this before on the podcast. After you listen to it, you can all tell me whether I have a second career looming as a stand-up comic. I tell a joke, you decide. Okay, here's the joke. President Bush was recently scheduled to visit a large Methodist church outside Washington as part of his campaign to get his approval ratings out of the toilet. Carl Rove paid a visit to the bishop the week before the appearance and said, Bishop, we've been getting a lot of bad publicity among Methodists because of President Bush's position on stem cell research, the war, and such like. The Republican Party will gladly make a contribution to the church of $100,000 if, during your sermon, you would say the president is a saint. The bishop thinks it over for a few minutes and asks, Out loud? Rove gives him a hard look. The bishop thinks for a few more seconds, then replies, Well, the church is in desperate need of funds for our charities, and we don't have the fiscal resources of other denominations, so I will do it. Rove thanks him graciously and leaves. The following Sunday, President Bush arrives at the church looking especially smug and sneering for the photographers while strutting his way... Cowboy style into the church. He takes a seat in the front row. After some forty minutes of hymns and other business, the sermon starts. The bishop begins his homily thus Congregants, the President of the United States is amongst us this day, and I feel I must share my thoughts. George Bush is a petty, self absorbed hypocrite and a nitwit. He is a liar, a cheat. Probably still a drunk and clearly a sneaky weasel of low intelligence. He lied to the country about his military record, then had the gall to dress himself in the uniform of a fighter pilot, land on a carrier full of real fighting men and women, and pose before a banner stating, Mission accomplished. He is in cahoots with venal and dishonest men. He invaded another country for oil and money, all the while lying to you. The American people about the war. He has nary a care for the thousands of lives it has taken and continues to take. As God is my witness, George W. Bush is one of the worst examples of a Methodist, of a Christian I've ever personally known. But compared to Dick Cheney, George Bush is a saint. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you liked what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right. There's a handy Send This Page to a Friend link on my podcast homepage. A special hello to all you Live 365 listeners. Please consider going to the podcast homepage and subscribing. That way, each new episode of Blast the Right Will be delivered directly to your computer for you to listen to at your convenience. Music credits. We heard bits of the following tunes: "Catapult the Propaganda" by Nise Music, music.com "No Justice, No Peace" by Wacky Avelli, wackyavelli.com; "You Razzle Dazzledom by Bill Jacobs. BillJacobs.us and Not the One Blues by Bernshee Thornside, Magnatune.com. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page, which is linked to off the main podcast homepage. Thanks to Tom Hartman for the Rush Limbaugh clip. The voice before No Justice, No Peace was Peter Finch, playing the character Howard Beale in the classic film Network. The joke was sent in by Stephen Payne, who has an online book available called Common Sense Revisited, Treason. Go to members.aol.com slash srpcivil. Links to the quotations and statistics I use on the podcast can be found on my data resources page, also linked to off the main podcast homepage. I love to get your comments pro and con. Send them to rational at Adelphia.net. And of course you can call in to leave a comment for me to play on the podcast including an entry in the What's the Worst Thing George Bush Has Done Contest. If you're on Skype, my Skype name is Jack from Blast the Right. If you're not on Skype, just dial up 310-933-5891. Now that Skype seems to be working well, I wanted to mention that there are three messages that I was never able to recover. So if you're still listening... If your Skype name includes Slowpoke or Emperor or if your telephone number ends in 9546, you can call in again, please, and leave your message again. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing pieces of crap.
0: I Inspector Charles Golfer has now issued a comprehensive report. That confirms the earlier conclusion of David Kaye that Iraq did not have the weapons that our intelligence believed were theirs. Um, it turned out that we have not found any stockpiles. I think it's unlikely that we will find any stockpiles. I don't know anybody in any government or any intelligence agency who suggested that the Iraqis had uh, nuclear weapons. That's, that's fact number one. What has not stood the test of time was the judgment we made that there were stockpiles of chemical and bio-